Welcome back to The Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans by new fans. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by my man on the softs, Mr. Austin Evans. Okay, now, I'm offended. Uh, I think the heart was clearly the correct compound here, so don't put that on me, please. Depends. Uh, what part of the race are we in? <laughs> you know? Uh, it was spicy. It was spicy. Wild. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a point halfway through, I'm like... Kind of early in the morning. Looks like Max is going to win by like 35 minutes. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But that changed on in a hurry. Well, before we get to all of that, September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And for the fourth consecutive year, the Relay FM community is rallying together again to support the life-saving mission of St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, which is very simple, finding cures and saving children. And who's not going to agree with that? Cancer kills more children under the age of 14 than any other disease. That is a horrible statistic. But because of generous supporters like you, St. Jude creates more clinical trials for pediatric cancer than any other children's hospital in the US. In 2021, one of those trials reported a more than 20-point improvement in survival rates for high-risk neuroblastoma, which is the second most common solid tumor found in children. And they did it using an antibody that they discovered produced and right at the St. Jude campus in Memphis, Tennessee. This progress is just one example of the world-class research taking place at St. Jude. It's carried out by researchers who are among the world's most highly cited scientists, which is then shared with the world to help doctors and patients elsewhere so everyone can benefit from this research. Childhood Cancer Awareness Month is an opportunity for us to come together in the fight against childhood cancer because together we can make a big impact. So we invite you to make a donation. Go to stjude.org slash relay and donate today. We have some wonderful gifts for people that do. Then once you've donated, then sign up to become a fundraiser at stjude.org slash relay and share with other people. You go to your friends, your family, you can set up a fundraising page. They can donate and there are also some, uh, some incentives that we're giving to people that do that. But no matter what it is you do, whether you donate, whether you just share it, or whether you set up a fundraiser of yourself, all together this goes to helping further the mission of St. Jude and helping us uh, raise money for them. Don't forget, on September 16th is the fourth annual podcast-a-thon for St. Jude. Uh, I'm going to be in Memphis, Tennessee with Relay FM co-founder Stephen Hackett. We're going to do an eight-hour variety show. That is on September 16th from 12 to 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time at twitch.tv slash RelayFM. But to find out more about all of this and how you can get involved, please go to stjude.org slash Relay to learn more, donate today, because let's cure childhood cancer together. That's terrific. And I very much look forward to your Memphis streaming setup for the next yeah, episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that'll be a very smooth technical episode. We'll it's going to be no... a disaster. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Just remember to bring the wheel guns into your pit box. Remember to affix oh, all four tires, and we'll have a very smooth and simple wow. show. All right. I, well, there's obviously a ton to talk about today, but we do have some follow-up for yes. Silly Season. Yes. So the contract review board voted in McLaren's favor. Oscar Piastri will be racing for McLaren in 2023. This was an ugly thing. Yeah. Because now people know things that they shouldn't have known. Like, for example, the fact that this was done in July after mm-hmm. the British Grand Prix. And Daniel Ricciardo was told in July, like five days before he posted that Instagram story talking about how much he wanted to stay in F1. So this is the kind of stuff that, like, we know these things happen, but everyone would prefer we didn't know them. Yeah, and, uh, 
So I think as soon as this sort of recognition board, you know, released their you know opinion, McLaren five seconds later go, hey, Piastri, he's in at McLaren. Um, a lot of that stuff has come out, and some of the things make Alpine look very, very uh, questionable. I think the big thing is is that they had what seemed to be some kind of like memorandum of understanding it wasn't like a real firm contract which is why mclaren were able to swoop and apparently they're going back and forth and there was all this kind of nonsense but essentially it feels like alpine kind of missed their opportunity to really kind of lock piastri down seems like they were kind of caught napping because it just felt like Mm -hmm. they thought they had him they weren't all that worried they thought that this sort of temporary not really a contract contract they had signed last year was uh binding and it was not in any way so props to piastri's management team they're like hey you know what this contract we've got worth literally nothing hey mclaren you want a driver we got one like but that being said there was some talk and of course everyone's gonna kind of you know as soon as this happened the rumor mill just absolutely overflowed with sort of off the record sources and, and whatnot about supposedly what Piastri signed was the potential that he would not be driving for McLaren next year, but he would be joining the McLaren team. And if Ricardo stayed on, if he didn't want to get out of his contract, didn't uh, sign for whatever, $20 million or whatever that they gave him to, to get out of the team, Piastri would have potentially been the reserve driver for McLaren next year and then driven the following year after that. So nevertheless, yeah, if you're Daniel Ricardo, you know the writing's on the wall for you and they tell you this. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. Like, and so, yeah. there's also a lot more. I mean, like Alpine were kind of saying how like, oh, you know, Otmar walks in and goes, hey, Oscar, you got the drive. And he's like, thanks. And then later he's like, I don't want it. Like, don't talk about this in front of other people. And it's just, it's super messy. Daniel apparently yep. was not clued in. Uh, but I mean, look, this is Formula One, right? And I know that there's been a lot of hurt feelings all the way around. But the ultimate goal here is this. Daniel Ricciardo is going to be a free agent next year. Uh, McLaren are paying him a fat payout, right? A very fat Mm -hmm. payout to get him to not drive for McLaren next year, to kind of sign him out of his contract. Mm So whether Daniel drives for uh, a team next year or not is still very much up in the air. He says he does not have a contract right now. I believe that. I see that there are a couple of openings uh, in the in the grid right now, but it's not super clear exactly what would be the best fit for him. But hey, he's got a fat pile of money. He's got some time. There are some options. Oscar Piastri is in a McLaren. I think that's Hopefully a good upgrade. Uh, it would be a little embarrassing if all of this sort of uh, shenanigans were, were put on and Oscar jumps on the grid next year and sucks. That would be very unfortunate. <laughs> Let's be real, though. Come, like, I mean, he hasn't got to do much worse to be doing better than Daniel this season. So, yeah. you know, and oh. also he'll get the one year of I'm a rookie, right? Like, they'll give True. him that. So he gets one year of grace. So all he has to do is have, like, half-decent season. And he'll be consider- it'll be an upgrade. So. Yeah, I think so too. But um, yeah, very very spicy. Uh, I I think what's been interesting about this whole silly season is that like it happens in like really intense bursts where it'll be quiet for mm. you know, a few days or a week, mm-hmm. and then something will happen, and then the floodgates just open with it has all the to, right? stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's good. But I mean. This is one more piece of the puzzle. This is really kind of like the biggest one that's kind of slotted in. Now, there are a few more vacancies that need to be sorted. But, for example, like we discussed last episode, it seems like Gasly is very close to signing for Alpine now. Mm-hmm. But apparently Red Bull won an absolute buttload of cash. What? And that's the problem. Mike, are you trying to tell me that the Red Bull team wants money? What? That's crazy. I can't believe it. They love Pierre so much. There's no way they would ever get rid of him for any yeah, reason, they really right? Love Pierre. 
They really love Pierre. Yeah, they they love to Pierre, treat Pierre so good over at Red Bull. You know, like I the, know. But well, I understand it though. Yeah, this is what we were talking about last time. Like they've made the decision. They signed him. So yeah. If Alpine want him that bad, well, show us. That's how I would be, right? Like, if you want him, show us how bad you want him. How big's that bag of cash? And it's the thing is because there were some rumors before all this kind of happened, uh, maybe a month or two ago, that uh, Pierre was maybe trying to shop around, and then the team like, oh no, he's under contract, and then he, uh, Pierre goes, oh yes, I am excited to drive for AlphaTauri. It's like that's the way this thing should go: is that a team says, "Hey, here's a legitimate, actual contract." You are driving for us because you signed this piece of paper. We've given you a very large check. That's the way it should go. So again, coming back around to the Piastri thing, it really reflects poorly, in my opinion, on Alpine for not having that locked down. Like, mm-hmm. this is not small. Like, like this is a big deal, right? Like, this is Formula mm-hmm. One. You need to be executing across the board. And while the legal department is probably not the, the one you think of first uh, when you're, you're thinking about what kind of is going to make your team successful, but you've got to execute highly in every possible way and alpine lost fernando without expecting it lost the reserve driver and now we're going to shell out how much to get pierre out of a contract like yeah at the end of the day they will be fine they have a very fast car this year they'll hopefully be fast next year and i do believe that pierre and alcon are going to be a terrific pairing i really do i think that they're going to be evenly matched it's gonna be really exciting to watch but how much money did alpine light on fire by just not having their house in order like it's just it's ridiculous it's massive i mean they look like idiots like they really look like idiots. They they it's rare, I think, for a team, at least I've seen to be in this position where they don't they don't have a second confirmed seat due to none of their own decisions. Like <laughs> everyone else is just making it look like fools. And now they're in this position where there isn't really a good option for them. Yeah. Like there are drivers they could take that maybe they wouldn't want necessarily, wouldn't have chosen, but they're just what they can the best they can do yeah. or they have to potentially pay a ton of money to someone to get, I mean, arguably not as good a driver as the guy they just lost because they wouldn't sign yeah. him a multiple year contract, right? Like yeah. Fernando Alonso is having his best season since he returned to the sport this year. He looks so competitive at week in, week out, right? And is putting in so close to top five, but definitely top 10 finishes consistently. And they just couldn't be bothered to sign him up. And like one of the things that seems so strange, like I saw this thing that said that apparently they said that they they didn't necessarily have plans to put Piastri in the Alpine until 2025. Like that was something that they were saying to him, but yet then wouldn't also give Alonso a multi-year yeah. deal. So like who was supposed to go in the car in 24? Uh, and the thing is like, this all is even more strange by the fact that Alpine are terrific this year, right? Like most drivers on the grid would be very happy in normal circumstances to drive for a team who is pretty firmly the fourth fastest team, right? I mean, that's not like something small to look at. And the fact that like you're running your team and you're running your sort of business in a way that like you're losing people left, right, center, and you have to pay people extra just to come and drive. What is a very fast car that your terrific driver in Alonso is like, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm going to go and drive for a way slower team right now just because I think that they're going to give me a better long term. It's like, man, it's just, it's, it's just messy. It is very, mm-hmm. very messy. But hey. I think that this still plays more into that idea that Fernando knew what was going on if... McLaren have been putting the pieces in place for this in July. Would you say it's part of 
our plan. It could have been actually. <laughs> this this was our plan all along. This is like an old meme, right? Like it's it's too hard to explain. Just Google Alonso L plan. Didn't they run? It's like it doesn't even make any sense anymore. Didn't, didn't they run L plan on the back of the Alpine last year for like one of the last races or something? I feel like they actually like made a reference to this because someone was asking for an interview, like, what about L plan? It's like, I don't know. Because <laughs> it's it such is a meme. A, it, it's close to an anagram of Alpine. Oh, I didn't put I that I think that was together. why they did it. It's oh, not exactly, but, but it's close enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right. uh, Alpine might want to study L plan a little bit firmer next time. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very spicy. Should we go All over right, this race, Give us the finishing order. Yeah, give us the finishing order, and then we'll start digging in. I would love to. So, after the Dutch Grand Prix of 2022, we have a podium of Max Verstappen. Surprise, surprise, P1. We've got George Russell, P2, and Leclerc with P3. Three teams! Three teams, top three. Three teams. Very That's exciting. Fun. And uh, it was an exciting race, which we'll discuss here in just a little bit. Going down the rest of the top 10, the points-paying uh, positions, we've got Lewis Hamilton at P4. We've got uh, Checo Perez at P5, Fernando Alonso at P6. We've got Lando Norris, P7. Carlos Sainz all the way down in P8, although that is after his penalty has been applied. Although, as of recording, there still may be some additional things. There's because- going to be more penalties for him, man. <laughs> yeah. He's going all the way down on the back. He's going into last week's race. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> like he'll he'll see us next year. Uh, regardless, <laughs> as of right now, uh, Carlos at P8. Then we've got Akon at P9, and Stroll yet again bring home a single point for Aston, coming in at P10. Hey, point a point. You know, I, I feel it's a like point. <laughs> he's gonna just get like twelve P10s throughout the year, and be like, okay, cool, I did it, I did it. Which I that uh, it in that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so okay there's a lot to get in here we got to talk about the race but beforehand do we want to maybe go all over a little bit of the kind of the the setup for the weekends it's obviously you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of you know we kind of discussed the um the drama side of things but qualifying was also incredibly close uh so max pipped Charles by like oh it was like 0.02 seconds or something incredibly small a lot of fun uh visualizations of their laps going around on social media over the weekend yeah i think the the official f1 instagram said that um max beat charles by exactly one george russell length which um is the way i would like to measure everything from now on it was 1.75 meters ahead so wait what is a george russell length? like you know the height of george russell if george russell laid down on the track that's the distance yeah <laughs> That's it. That's it, not complicated at all. It's what look, uh if I am three or four George Russells ahead of you, Mike, are you gonna be upset? I don't think so. You you I can understand be. what that, that distance that's, is. That's a that's a lot of distance at that, that point. Is. <laughs> I would be pretty mad if you were four George Russells ahead of me. <laughs> Hurley Motorsports would be incredibly upset. They would fire mm-hmm. all their drivers if something like mm-hmm. that happened. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was good qualifying. Checo looped it at the very end, which did kind of impact a few people, including Lewis, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about here in a second. But uh, generally speaking, fairly tame, fairly straightforward. It was um, spicy because I think Red Bull, I think, were really on the back foot going into this sort of session. They had some rough practice sessions. Max actually broke down on track, I think, in, was yep. it FP1 or P1. FP2? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a gearbox uh, FP1, issue. Sorry, FP1, yep. 
So it was uh, after the dominance of last weekend. It was not a super straightforward looking race, although obviously we know how it kind of came out. But thankfully, it was not a Max Verstappen, you know, Red Bull one two like a, a whole mile or I'm sorry, uh, 245 George Russells down the road. I'm not allowed. I will not get on board with <laughs> this as a as a measurement. I, I'm not on this. You know. Just look, Mike. Just uh, look. Your boys had a very exciting race. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. give 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 me some George Russells. I just need a few all George right. Russells here and there. Okay, I don't think it's all that. Right. We, we all need a sprinkling of George. You know what I mean? It's, well, no one's gonna complain. Besides, well, Lewis actually might have something to say about that, but you know, it's fine. Well, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see how that one shakes out. All right, let's let's box. Okay, let's put some mediums on. Right? Okay, mediums. Because this is a good one. Or we yeah. go hard. We go hard. We go hard after this. Yeah, I think. You know, we, yeah, definitely. Hard's gonna get us to the end. We'll be fine. <laughs> All right, you ready? I you ready for me? Am prepped and ready. Right. Are you good to go? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. This episode of the Backmarkers is brought to you by the Racing Line. Motorsport calendars are messy and complicated. Finding out what series is racing, what weekend, when the races begin, is more challenging than it should be, especially with F1 when they're all over the world. The Racing Line collects the calendars of over 40 major motorsport series and combines it into one easy-to-use app. Covering series including F1, IndyCar, World Endurance Championship, ISMA, the entire GT World Challenge catalog of series, plus MotoGP and World Superbikes for those two world fans. The app provides day and weekly views so you can get an easy overview of what's happening today and plan your motorsport viewing weeks ahead. Plus, you can get customized notifications, which you can set when you want before each event. One minute before, an hour before, one day, five days, whatever you like. And the series list is customizable too, so you can select the series you want to see and hide the ones you don't. I use the Racing Line. I've used them since they became a sponsor last time. I was really actually happy to find out about it. I have a 10-minute alerts for the practice sessions and the you know obviously qualifying in the race and i really like that i just have one easy app where because i filter it down to just f1 where i can go in and see exactly when everything's going to be happening because i'm always a bit confused about the times uh, especially <laughs> when like you know like qualifying is usually a different hour to the right it's like a whole thing so i love having the race in line so i can check it the race in line supports iphone ipad watch os and android and the app is built by a single indie developer who began iOS development after listening to Relay FM shows and ATP. So he's one of all of us. <laughs> Go to theracingline.app. That is theracingline.app. Our thanks to the Racing Line for the support of this show and Relay FM. And time, 143.97. Okay. Oh, way slower. Here's the thing, Mike. Your enthusiasm for the Racing Line was so apparent that I don't think anyone is going to mind that you, you you just got a little distracted. You know, you, yeah. you, the, the tire the thing came is, on. Since the first time, right, I've now used the Racing Line for months, so yeah. I'm very enthusiastic about it. So now, yeah, now I, someone forgot to bring a blanket out when they needed it. It's like a whole thing. Yeah, well... I will this say one was... thing. I will say one thing before we give up on the racing line, or before we kind of move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a huger fan, potentially, than you, mostly because I need this to wake up at four and five o'clock in the morning to watch F one. So having huh. that ready and prepped, and so I don't accidentally miss a show because it is my deepest fear that I'm going <laughs> to sleep past. Or like you're going to be like, "All right, Austin, you ready to go?" And I'm still asleep one one morning. So the racing line keeping. Uh, us on track, quite yep. literally. Uh, so the show has. It's actually <laughs> kind of incredible that 
you've you've not done that yet. No, no, dude. The, okay, it's very very small side note. I've been having problems, so I always use my Apple Watch as my alarm, right? I mm-hmm. like it. It's quiet, doesn't wake anyone up. Uh, but it's been giving me intermittent issues where it will stop making noise and vibration. So I will wake up like an hour later and look, and my alarm has been going off the whole time, but it hasn't. It stresses me out immensely. Every night mm-hmm. I like kind of fiddle with it. I restart it like a few times a week just to make sure. So uh, I'm telling you. Are you if, using sleep focus modes? I am using sleep focus modes. Yes. I might be doing it. Uh, no, the, into that. the the haptics on the watch don't work at all. I think it's something to do with when I turn on and off water mode or something. It's intermittent. But regardless, Mike, the amount of stress Wait, I have. How? Why are you turning on water mode so much? I shower with my Apple Watch because I got to get that extra. Matter. You don't need to do that. I got to hit my calorie shower. goal. And there's a few times in the shower where no no, my- no no you can leave you can uh, whoa, you can leave it on uh, <laughs> but you uh, you could you don't I don't think you have to do it into the water mode this is only for like swimming you could shower with it on in regular mode it presses lots of buttons though or like I've gotten calls uh, and stuff yeah so I put look, it on uh, theater mode so it turns the screen I, off actually no that's a good point but regardless Mike I just my life is immensely <laughs> stressful. And if I make right. it through our entire season of the backmarkers without sleeping through a race, I'm going to be very happy. So that's all. Side note. Uh, all right. I yeah. need to talk. This is a this is an incredible race for drama. This is an absolute roller coaster. It was like building up to oh my god, something's going to happen. Then the flo- then everything fell out of the race. Then it started coming back up. This was a great race. I had a great time today. I had a really I, great time today. I did too. Like. Again, I was a little concerned toward the middle, right? I was like, uh-oh, I've seen yeah. this before. Um, but we really had two major events that kind of brought the field together and really spiced things up. The first one was, and again, this is, you know, we're obviously recording right after the race. So I'm sure mm-hmm. later today and over the next couple of days, we're going to get a lot more explanations. But what happened to Yuki? I, I, it was such a bizarre incident. Cole from Christian. <laughs> El plan help, help us out Helmet Marco was like on his laptop like I got this guys I got this Put the, put the wheel nut on the wrong way around Press the seat button like, I don't know what was going on But it was terrible Like it was. everything that happened there Clearly shouldn't have happened Like when he was having those wheel problems They should have just put him in I don't know what were they doing with the seatbelt Like apparently like maybe he thought he was done So he yeah. unclipped it Everything about that was just like weird And also at a certain point Is there any point letting him back out again If you're pitting yes. him for 35 seconds Like yes. You know what I, uh, It was not great There was something weird was going on there So uh, for context Especially if you're a newer fan of Formula yeah. 1 This is not a normal occurrence right? So when Yuki went in for his pit stop He left He immediately mm-hmm. thought that one of the wheels was not torqued down Now I would say that happens maybe once or twice per season Across all the drivers right? It does happen but it's pretty rare, and it's fairly easy. You know, I mean, you imagine they're trying to do a two, three-second pit stop. You know, you jam the wheel on, you take the gun, you go, you know, maybe it gets cross-threaded, maybe it doesn't go all the way on. Whatever the case is, it's a rare, but it does sort of happen mm-hmm. as an occurrence. So when Yuki pulls out, typically, you know, the team, you know, they all want to make sure everything's good. But typically, if you pull out of the the pit with a wheel that's loose, you don't even make it to the end of the pit lane, right? Like multiple times, cars have stopped like before they've gotten to the end because they go, oh, no, this is definitely not right. Yuki got onto the track, but it was immediately on the radio like, hey, the wheel's not on. Something's wrong. He pulls off because, of course, you don't want a wheel to come flying off. You don't want to do a bunch of damage. But the team is telling him that the wheel is fine, that everything is okay. They're looking at the telemetry. They're looking at the data. But Yuki, as the driver, is like, 
this is not right. But what happens is a really weird thing where Yuki's pulled off on the side of the track. Yeah. The race is still going, right? He is sitting right yeah. on the edge. The race is still going. They've got the double wave, uh, waved yellows, which is code for, hey, you need to be able to slow way down and potentially even come to a stop, right? It's not a safety car, not a virtual safety car, but when they have the double waved yellows in a sector, you as a driver have to be prepared if you need to, to stop. Usually you don't actually have to fully stop, but you have to slow way down, right? So Yuki's sitting there. He's uh, trying to figure out what's going on. The team tell him, you're fine, go for it. So then he tries to bring himself back to the pits because he clearly knows there's a problem. Then he comes back into the pits and they look at the wheels and they say, oh, it seems to be fine. They put they another set. They changed the tires. No. They changed the tires, yeah, which you would think would fix it. Uh, obviously, if there was some kind of issue with the wheel. But clearly at this point, Yuki knows there's something wrong. The team doesn't understand what's happening. And like you said, he had, what, like a 35-second pit stop? Like, at that point, why do they bring him out? Why do they continue to let him race if there is mm-hmm. some kind of problem that they don't understand? And obviously... Uh, it didn't work because he made it, I don't know, uh, one turn Couple before he tried to yep. pull over again. And in the middle of all of this, Yuki, when he thought his wheel was off, pulls off to the side of the road, starts unbuckling the seatbelt, which is not unreasonable considering that he thinks he's done and he's trying to get out of his car. Man, what a mess. It's a cluster. Like, they're just messing. And like it's one of those things where it, we make the jokes, but people will now look at this and say, oh, Red Bull. Like, I don't think. It's like, that's just like whatever. It doesn't. I genuinely don't think that there was any kind of chicanery going on here. Yeah. Other than just kind of looking a bit incompetent on AlphaTauri's side and not trusting Yuki. Yuki can tell something's wrong with a car. Yes. But they're not believing him. Yeah. And that's like, I know they have sensors, et cetera, et cetera. But something like he should never have come back out again. Correct. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because he had to stop immediately, proving that he was right the first time. Yes. Like, they should have trusted to him that there was something wrong with a car and actually spent time trying to look into that when he was in the pits rather than just changing his tires and reseat belting him. Yeah. So like, there was couple, something wrong. So a couple people in the chat are saying that he had a broken diff. I don't know if that's been confirmed okay. after the race. That would make sense because you know the diff is mm-hmm. kind of the bit that kind of puts your two axles together. So if the diff is broken, you would feel maybe one wheel spinning more than the other, or you could certainly see something would definitely not feel right. So if that's the case, it makes sense. That would still, though, I would think show up on the telemetry. I mean, you figure if one wheel is spinning faster or something is grinding or whatever, that they would see that. But it was a mess. They sent him right back out. Mm-hmm. And again, he had to stop. They had to way, way, way change the race. Because sort of to set the stage for where the race was at that time, Mercedes were looking terrific. Now, I know, Mike, you know, since we've started to do this show, we've tried to kind of put a, a complete ban on team communications. We can't talk during the races. We've got to save it for the show. Yeah. But I was like, I was texting. I was like, bro, bro, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. It's going to happen. And it almost happened. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is difficult for me, right? But it was also exciting. Like, so at that point in the race, I was gutted, right? Because yeah. it what look what it looked like was uh, they Mercedes hit just the right tire strategy. They had just the right tires for the car. They were building and building and building in speed. And if Max had to pit, he was going to come out behind Lewis, maybe behind George. Mm-hmm. And then they would have been able to pit, and like if he would have had to have gone again, like he just would have really struggle to have built that time back up. But that was obviously pretty risky at that time because anything could happen, right? And there was a yeah. safety car. But then it ended up being that after that safety car, 
it was it a virtual safety car for Yuki? Yes, it so was, for right? Yuki, it was a yep. virtual safety car, which again, for newer F1 fans, a virtual safety car is everyone, there's no actual safety car on the track. Everyone has to slow down, I believe, by 40%. So on mm-hmm. your dash, you have the little screen, and it will tell you what you need to be doing, right? So it's already been calculated. So if you're running one minute, 12 second laps, you need to be doing a 130 or 140 or whatever. So basically, you can't go faster than whatever that delta is, which the idea is it allows all the cars to slow down. It allows you know track workers mm-hmm. to come on, marshals to clean up, to clear pigeons away, or whatever happens to be the case. And then they will kind of turn it off and it'll get back up to speed. The idea is with a virtual safety car they do that when they want to neutralize the race no one theoretically will get an advantage there except if you want to take a pit stop which usually will save you a bunch of time but if everyone's just out on the track it should be about the same whereas with a safety car which we saw later in the race that will bring out the actual safety car bunch up the entire pack makes it even faster or even yeah you're losing even less time going in for a pit stop and you also have the added benefit of getting all the back markers out of the way so they are usually Although after we saw the Abu Dhabi last year, not always, they usually let all the back markers through to kind of really kind of reset the the field. But yeah, it was a VSC for the Yuki incident, like lap 40 or wherever that was. And then that just neutralized the difference at that point, pretty much. Um, Yes. Because Max took a pit then, right? Yep. So he was able to get a fresh set. And so he was able to take his pit. And I believe came out ahead of the Mercedes at that point, if I'm remembering rightly. So he got so that what they were always trying, what the, basically what Mercedes were covering against was they were able to, under regular circumstances, would get out ahead of Max potentially for, on a pit, and then it would be a bit of a fight for him, and then they would be able to come back faster later on. Yeah, but that all went down. The race continued, and then Valtteri Bottas, his engine just cut out. Which was actually, yeah. I don't know why, but it really made me laugh, just the sounds of the car. I just find it very <laughs> funny when cars, like, the engines go, because it, they just make such a weird noise as they, like, yeah. spin down. And Valtteri's very was like, me engine broke. <laughs> just like, that's it. That was it. That's done. I was like, all right, man. Well, sorry. <laughs> uh, and then it ended up being basically the worst. Po- I think it was, he stopped in basically the worst possible place. Yeah. Because he was on the main straight, right? So yep. everybody had to go through the pit lane, which caused a bunch of other problems. But that situation set up again for it ended up with Lewis being able to be in front of Max, even though Max because Max went into pit again. Yeah. <sighs> but then what happened is George Russell decided he wanted to be on the soft tires like Max. George mm. made a call, Mercedes said good, mm. and that's where the race fell apart, right? So what is your opinion of how it unfolded for Mercedes? Mercedes are a team who I think are fair almost to a fault. There is no number one or number two at Mercedes right now. During the the peak Lewis years, you know, with Valtteri, Lewis was the number one. Now, they would kind of give some lip service to Valtteri, but, like, Lewis was the number one, right? You know, whether it was because he was the favorite or because he was leading championship, didn't matter. He was number one. With George, I don't think that's the case at all, right? George has done a terrific job of being very consistent, very, very solid all year, right? But what happened was when Lewis didn't go in, when Max came in, they, by all real accounts, should have left George out, right? As the team, if you're trying to maximize your opportunity, it is far more likely for you to win the race if you have two cars between you and Max Verstappen versus one, right? And while the ultimate pace of Max may have meant that at that point it didn't matter, it's hard to say, but 
the fact that they were basically telling George from what it seemed like, they were telling George, hey, stay out. Everything's chill, whatever, you know, just, just hold station. And George is like, no, these tires suck. I want softs. And they made a very late call to bring him in. Because, again, there were only, I, I don't know the number, I think it was like 10 laps maybe between the mm-hmm. VSC and the safety car. So the tires they put on were very new, but they were not softs. They were not going to give the absolute maximum amount of grip for that last stint of the race. Mm-hmm. To me, to me, I think Mercedes made the wrong call in allowing George to make the stop without, like, like, like they immediately wrote off Lewis 100%, right? Yeah. If they had kept George out, George and Lewis probably wouldn't have won the race. I, I, possible, but I think Max was probably going to be too fast on those newer, brand new soft tires. But they probably would have had at least like Lewis on the podium, right? Like Lewis really kind of got sold down by just not having anything. Like he was completely defenseless. He could not do anything. Max passed him about one George Russell passed the start finish line after the safety mm-hmm. car. Um, and from there, I mean, he obviously fell off the podium. It was, it was rough. But it's like George made the right call for George Russell, right? But you as the team need to optimize your team strategy. And they basically let George get the preferred, the preferred strategy when Lewis was the lead driver. Like to, to me, it's just, it, it was a strange, very last minute call that hugely advantaged uh, George. I, I, I don't see any other way of looking at it besides that. I mean, I think they made the right call. Okay, please, please, please inform me because I, I, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time. What, what's screwed the Lewis. It screwed Lewis, right? Yeah. Like, without a doubt, that this was the wrong call for Lewis Hamilton, but it was the right call for Mercedes. Mercedes picked up more points than they would have otherwise. What's, uh, initially, I was like, oh, I don't know. This is like George is out there racing for himself, which he should be, right? Right, right. They hadn't instituted any team orders, it seems, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, George made the call, and they was like, okay, like if you think this is good, then you go for it. Lewis got eaten up by Verstappen so quickly there was absolutely no way they stayed ahead of him after that restart. Lewis then got taken by Leclerc. There was no way they were getting 2-3. They probably would have ended up with one of them in third place if they wouldn't have put George on the softs because everybody was on softs at that point, everyone. And they would have been the only ones on medium, and I don't know if they would have had the pace. After yeah. a sl- being slow, they wouldn't have got the heat into the tires, which seemed to be a problem for them. I am gutted for Lewis because... He should. He could have won it today, and he was really close in a few occasions to actually winning this race. Yeah, yeah. But if they would not have let George do this, what? What? Honestly, what should have happened is Lewis should have been put onto softs too. That's I think a, it was yes, right. And I think that is actually like Lewis very upset on the radio. I think completely understandably. But I think what I could get out of what he was saying ultimately is. Why was I the only person mm-hmm. left on mediums? Like, I think that is the actual issue. I don't think the issue is that Mercedes let the drivers split their yeah. strategy. I think that they, it's not the issue isn't that they let George do it. What they should have done is once they did it to George, they should have done it to Lewis. But I just don't think there would have been the time. I would say this is a spot on an otherwise impeccable strategy from Mercedes today. Yeah, like, it's a big spot they, though, man. It, it, well, yeah, but it's not though, right? Like at the same time, the spot is Lewis didn't get on the podium, right. but by allowing George to make the call, they picked up second place today. I mean, okay, so 
There was certainly a point in this race where if the original sort of none of these VSCs or safety cars came out, I do believe that Mercedes had a shot at winning. I don't think it was a sure thing whatsoever, but they had a real shot. Yeah, they uh, would have had a shot because they would have sacrificed George Russell for Lewis, right? Yeah. Like, they would have just, you know, if, if they would have ended up being in a situation where Max is behind George, basically it's like, George, you drive that car horizontally. I don't know. I don't <laughs> care what you got to do. You keep him off, right? And would he have been able to do it? I don't know, right? And like this is the thing today of like, maybe if Lewis would have started on softs from that restart, he wouldn't have gotten as destroyed by Max. But he did. And the speed and ease at which Max took Lewis makes me say there is absolutely no way he wouldn't have done it to both of them with 11 laps to go. Yeah, I mean... George was only competitive today because he was on the softs, right? And so if I just feel like if they wouldn't have done that, they would have ended up with maybe fourth and fifth, maybe third and fourth at best. That's very possible. My only argument there is they should have brought both Lewis. They should have. They, that, they should that's, have. That feels like that that's, should have been the That's move. what I'm saying. That's the miss. The miss yeah. is Lewis, they did not put Lewis on socks. Yeah. But I don't think George is to blame here. I think he made the perfect oh, no. call. Like He saw what they couldn't see. But I think this is the benefit of Mercedes compared to some of the other teams. They do let these drivers yeah. make some decisions. They let them race. Like... Compared to what we're talking about with Yuki, this is kind of what I was driving at earlier. Alpha Tari did not trust Yuki Sonoda. Yeah, very true. Right? And in this same situation, I just feel like, like again, you compare it to Ferrari, right? When we were talking a few weeks ago, where Carlos basically had to say, I'm not coming in to mm-hmm. pit right now, right? Like, where it, was, it wasn't like, a, I don't think this will work, guys. It was like, no, I am defying you now. Like, and I just, we just don't get that vibe. Like he, Russell's like, no, I think I should go on softs and like great box box. Right. Like I just, that just, just to trust there. And yeah. he made the right call. He did. I don't know how Lewis feels. I'm intrigued to see how Lewis feels. I genuinely hope this isn't the kind of thing that causes a problem between the two of them because they seem to get on really well. I feel like this really should be targeted towards their strategy team of like, why yeah. did you not think to put me on soft tires when he could work it out? Yeah. No, I mean, look, George has no fault in this whatsoever. George is a racing driver who is trying to do as well as he possibly can. Of course, he's going to want the best strategy. Like, uh, yeah, he's not going to be like, oh, you know what, Lewis, you got this one, man. I'll just be back here minding my own business. Like, of course not, right? Um, but you're right. It's, it's like one of these things where it was such a solid race for Mercedes. You saw that sort of win slide through the fingers. And it's tough, you know, especially if you're Lewis and you're just getting absolutely swallowed up. You're like, man... Why didn't I have tires? Everyone else has tires. Like, there's a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of buts. I do think mm-hmm. as soon as the VSC and the safety car came out, it was going to be a real uphill battle for Mercedes because I do think without those, they had a very real shot at actually winning this thing, right? But mm-hmm. um, okay, yep. If we want to talk about strategy, can we talk about our good buddy, Mister Carlos Sainz, for a second? Oh my God! No, can we just say can, just can we just get down to him by going through some of our categories? <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Spoilers for what's coming up. Yes, absolutely, right. Mike. Feel free. Go Back for it. marker of the race. Albon. Great season. Great. Absolutely right? great. Yeah. He's just putting in the work. Fantastic. Underperformer of the race. Uh, Ricardo. Ice terrible, right? I mean, I mean, Lando didn't have a great race. Well, Lando did okay, though. I mean, it wasn't, well, I was saying, it wasn't great. 
Yes. Right? Like yes. he came in at seventh. Yeah. Ricardo's down at seventeenth. Yeah. <sighs> Man, he's effectively back of the pack because I don't know. I do not know what happened to Latifi that he was lapped. Something uh, happened. To him. I don't know what it was. I don't know. But okay. he was lapped real early in the race. Like yeah. I, I just remember him seeing him pop up at some point. I'm like, what are you doing here? We're like thirty laps in. What did you do? Like I don't know what happened to Nicholas Latifi today. But so, yeah, I I want to choose my words carefully because I think, as most people would say, Daniel Ricardo is a great dude. He seems like he'd be a lot of fun to hang out with. Drive to Survive, I think, has made him immensely popular in a lot of circles, and he's put in some incredible performances. Does he have a seat for next year when he does stuff no. like this? Like I don't think he does anyway. I, 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 it's a shame. Maybe go away for a year. I just don't think anybody's plans include Daniel Ricciardo. Like I just don't think he is necessarily where these teams are planning on. So maybe Williams, right? Like Williams or Haas is where we expected if he's going to go anywhere. But yeah, I just don't know if he is what the either of these teams are looking for right now. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But I, I, I'm not convinced that he that he has a seat. Like, like, I actually genuinely think Mick Schumacher's in for a greater chance right now. Yeah, which... Look, I do believe that there is a terrific driver in Daniel Ricciardo. I, I yes. think if he can get his head in the right space, if he can kind of really commit... like It's almost like he needs to make a decision, right? He's obviously just got this huge payout. He's fine. He can go do whatever he wants now, right? Does he have the fire to continue to be competitive, right? Because obviously the last couple of years have got to have been brutal to him, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. the whole, and I know he's talked a little bit about this, you know, as far as not being able to, you know, throughout all of COVID, he wasn't able to go home, you know, to Australia. He had to spend a lot of time in a place where he was not in a good mental spot, right? Which is very much understandable. I think a lot of people have been like that over the last couple of years. You can imagine that isolation is probably even more so for him, considering that he is, you know, the, the hot shot. He's supposed to come in and just absolutely wipe the floor with the Lando, blah, 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 all these kind of expectations that people have thrown around. And to see him get demolished, and I don't think that's a, I don't think that's an over, like, exaggeration. Like, I think Lando has demolished Daniel, right? Which is sad, right? And the fact of, like, he got that Monza win last year, that's the only bright spot, right? It's just been a year and a half of pain and misery. So it's like, you can see why Haas would be like, okay, even if Daniel is a shadow of his former, former self, He's still a race winner. He could still you know, help. You know, obviously, he has a huge sponsor potential, which I almost think might be his biggest thing because Daniel is such a popular driver because he gets so much airtime on Drive to Survive. I could see a team like Haas taking a punt on him just because they know that he's going to get a ton of attention. And what else do they yeah. have to lose, right? Like That yeah. almost is my argument. And that's a pretty sad argument for someone who at times throughout his career has been one of, if not the fastest driver on the grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, five times stop they stopped him five times i lost that but nevertheless it wasn't daniel ricardo's race right it was not. like no okay my underperformer of the race is carlos Sainz because i genuinely <laughs> do not understand uh. what his race was this week like uh. i cannot get my head around yeah what he was up to right i'm, I'm like, sad to say mike 
I don't think I can remember all the incidents with Carlos off the top of my head. There were... I know two. I can okay. think of two. Go for right? it. Go so for it, one is he did... Not only did he not slow down under double yellows yeah. when Valtteri Watts has to sit on the side, he decided now's the time for me to overtake us to ban Ocon. Now, I understand, hard to see, et cetera, et cetera, but yeah. it happened, right? Oh. Doesn't matter, it happened. We got the five-second penalty for that, right? Uh, I'm actually not sure if he got... Yeah, I, th- I think so. He got because a- I think, I believe they said they were going to investigate the unsafe release, which is the next one right. after the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he then in basically during the safety car, they were taking everyone down the pit lane. Yep. So there's a lot of traffic. Yep. But he came out and just, he nearly just destroyed uh, Fernando, I think it was at that point. And yeah. It, I don't know. It grated me to hear him saying, I was watching it on the cameras. If they say it's an unsafe release, that's, what did he say? That's it's a fake. fake. It's fake. It's, it's fake. fake. It's fake news. I get a penalty for that. It's fake. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Carlos, man, you're not having a great weekend. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if this isn't your day, I don't know if you're really necessarily in a place to be making these arguments. But I just think that he, it just it just wasn't happening for him today. No. Uh, like, it was kind of funny that throughout the whole race, completely forgot that Charles Leclerc existed. Yeah, which is right? weird because Leclerc started P2. Like, he had yep. a shot, but he did not have But it was pace. just like, it, all of the things that were potentially going to happen, they didn't necessarily include Charles Leclerc. Yeah. But nevertheless, he pulled it out pretty di- pretty tasty, third place, right? Like Absolutely. That didn't seem possible. Yeah. But like, then, you know, then Signs, the best he got, I think, was fifth, and then they got boop, all the way down to, as currently uh, f- finishing at eighth. Yes. But could, could change if they give him another penalty, I don't know. So uh, according to the chat, he actually got the penalty for the unsafe release. So the right, double, cool. passing at a double yellow may or may not be something else. I don't know if they're still sort of investigating that. On top of all of that, he also had a, I don't know, it was a 10 second stop, whatever. He basically came in the pits and Ferrari had three tires ready for him. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. like, again, Ferrari didn't help Carlos, but I don't think Carlos helped Carlos today. No. Uh, I-, I love, though, that at least Ferrari are taking a major step forward, right? Because you look at their strategy issues over the last few years, they're finally putting the power on Carlos. He got to choose. Do you want three wheels or do you want four? Uh, I think we have to applaud. Well, I, we have to applaud them. <laughs> I was like, where's he going with this? I guess I, I was like, Austin, they did not have a major step forward today. They didn't. It was Look, a bad day. Like, where, did that pit, like, because uh, Bonato was on the radio, right? Like, he was on the TV. It's like, what happened? It's like, oh, it was a mess. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> we can see that. Uh, hey, at least he didn't say, this is all part of the Ferrari plan. That, oh, uh, and then... Was it Ted who said they're going for all the penalties? Because they also left that wheel gun on the, the wheel ground. Gun, which Checo ran over. over. Oh, good lord. So they're like, it's all bad. It's <laughs> all bad for Ferrari. Again, all bad. And then, yeah, and then so, uh, beyond, before any of this happened, Carlos was absolutely just not on the pace of like Leclerc or whatever. Like, he was getting dropped by everyone immediately at the beginning of the race. It's just like. Talking about all bad. Yeah. Ferrari please. now. 30 points ahead of Mercedes and the constructors. They are closing that down. And also, drivers is getting a bit tasty now, too, I will say. Verstappen, Leclerc is now tied with Perez, technically putting him second place, which is interesting. Leclerc could end up with a little bit, you know, he's still got it in. It may be a bit of a surge, don't know. But then we've got George Russell at 188. So at the moment, 
You know, I mean, you know, okay, look, I know what people are saying. Obviously, you know, I ride or die for Lewis Hamilton over here, right? But if I am Toto Wolf, it's like, well, I could end up with a second place, third, second place here if we just play it right, put all the chips on George. Oh, wait, Mike, are you insinuating that George Russell is now the lead Mercedes driver? Currently, Lu- I mean, Lewis Hamilton's like, the wingman? In- in points currently, right? Like, and so like we're getting to the point in the season where if you want something, you maybe have to orchestrate it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, so if they, if they, if Mercedes want to get second places, they could do the double second place here if they play it just right. But yeah. they got to play it just right. And I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like. Right? I, I, I'm really intrigued over the next week to hear what Lewis has to say. Yeah, yeah. I, he clearly got incredibly upset on the radio, right? Which understandably, though, right? We said that already. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you, you want you got to see it, like, from his perspective. It's like, yeah. guys, <laughs> you know, yeah. But like, well, okay, I just I just thought I'd open Twitter, right? The first, just to check uh-oh. the first thing oh, I no. see is a quote from Lewis. I lost it for a second, but they know it's just passion. Lewis Hamilton apologizes to his Mercedes team after he lost it on team radio. Man, I just cool. I love Lewis Hamilton, man. I just I love him. <laughs> well, uh, that's actually one of the things we didn't talk about. Um, so last week, you know, Fernando and Lewis, you know, came together. Fernando absolutely just lit into Lewis. Uh, but you know, they're they're hanging out in the Mercedes paddock. You know, on Thursday, you know, uh, I knew Fernando did some interviews, basically saying like. Look, we're sportsmen. We're in the heat of the moment. I don't think they should be, you know, running the radio. And then he continued on about how uh, the media loves British drivers and hates everyone else, which is kind of a little bit maybe fair. But uh, yeah, another example of the team radio being incredibly spicy. But I do think just us as fans, like, because I don't think anyone seriously should suggest that they should remove the radio, right? I think radio is a very, very great part of the viewing and the listening experience of watching Formula One, right? I I really believe that. Mm -hmm. But I think us as fans of Formula One, we just do need to take a little step back that these guys are incredibly intense, incredibly passionate. They're in the moment. They let things fly. I mean, do any of us, have any of us ever you know, said something we probably regretted in the middle of like some, you know, it's not match even or whatever. That, Austin. Can you imagine if people listen to every conversation you have? Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> imagine if you just say something off the cuff and then like someone says it back to you. Like, how could you say this? Imagine such a thing. Like, I, this is what I feel like I have a, like a, we, because we were talking about this last episode with Alonso, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like I have a kin with what they are experiencing, but yep. even like a, a tiny degree, because my adrenaline's not flying through the roof when I'm doing these yep. my shows, right? Yep. But like, if you are saying, you don't remember all the things you say, mm-hmm. and people throwing it back at you. So I, I agree with you. I think <laughs> team radio should only be allowed if we can all behave ourselves, <laughs> right? Like, as in, like, yeah. we, sh- you, we, I want to be able to hear it, but I don't want that at the expense of these individuals being criticized so heavily mm-hmm. agree agree i think it's just look uh being on a hot mic is always uh scary right so I, mm-hmm. but it's just one of those things where like when you're passionate when you're in the moment it happens it happens and i think uh, especially you know you look at fernando you look at lewis both of them had these incidents both of them apologized everything's fine right and that's i think really the way things should be uh, Mike, I'm afraid to ask this question. What was your yeah, favorite baby. moment of the race? I don't actually think I have one. 
Okay. Like, I, I think for me, it was probably... If I, you know what? If I had to pick, it was when uh, the Bottas safety car happened because yeah. uh, for me, the excitement had been sucked out of the race when Yuki went out, right? Mm-hmm. Because it then seemed like, oh, this is a foregone conclusion again. And I had no problem with that, right? When the race began, it's like Max was going to win. It was like, okay, I'll pay attention to everything else that's happening. But then it seemed like, ooh, maybe there's mm-hmm. going to be something interesting or different happening. And then that was taken away by the Yuki safety car. So then when Bottas, uh, when we had the Bottas safety car, it was like, oh, okay, we've now opened this race back up again and and anything can happen. And it did. Anything did happen, right? Mercedes ended up flipping around. Leclerc came in. And that ended up with a shakeup in the potential of the race from the beginning. So I really like that. I will say the absolute skullduggery of Yuki's shenanigans is yeah. what, a sight to behold. It's uh, fun though, right? Isn't it just fun? Like I like to just have fun with it and be like, oh, of course they told him to undo his seatbelt. You know, he's just, you know, yeah. we could be serious about it. I know. Look, watching that whole thing, it was. It looked like uh, like a skit or something. It looked like someone making fun of Formula One of just the ridiculousness mm. of like going out, coming back. You see the the two mechanics trying to put his belts on. He like, oh, just, it was nonsense. Like, I get yeah. it, I get it, I get it. We talked about it enough, but like for me, that was the moment of the race. I'm like, what is about to happen right now? I think something good's about to happen, but what also just really small side note did you feel like the race directors were really slow to throw both the virtual safety car and the regular safety car they had like the the double waved yellows but i feel like yeah. it took like a lot especially them to the safety it. car right like yeah. the virtual safety car like i can imagine like oh, where is he exactly on the track like what do we want to do but with Bottas, it was like, there's was right no there. other way to deal with this, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like he can't, that, like, there's, nothing can be done. Like, we have to get people on this track to get him out of the way. Yeah. Like, yeah, it felt, it felt pretty slow. Maybe it's because there's two two-person sister, right? Like, one, and then the other <laughs> guy's in the bathroom. So it's like, oh, I have to wait for him Pressure to come button. back. Pressure button. <laughs> we turn our keys at the same time, and then we can, you know, yeah. I don't know. Oh, man. Driver Wild. of the day. Easy, right? Driver of the day. Come on, Russell. George Russell. Russell. For making the strategic call all yep. on his own and screwing yep. over his poor, poor little teammate, this uh, up-and-coming driver named Lewis I Hamilton. mean, and also not absolutely destroying Mercedes by smashing into the back of Lewis. I don't oh. know what happened there, but it I, weren't good. You know, it's funny. It's like he was coming up on Lewis and I think he would like mm-hmm. maybe expected Lewis to fight him a lot more. Cause if you watch that replay, so George is coming with DRS right up on the back of Lewis. Lewis doesn't do anything. He's just minding his own business. George, you know, fast or whatever. I think George was expecting him to do some like dummy. So he pulled right up to the edge and then pulled out and I like, had to jump off the throttle for a little bit at the last second. I mean, props to George for, you know, making evasive maneuvers at probably about a third, maybe a half George Russell uh, length over away from his team. Yeah, and that's a, a third of a George Russell. That's not a not, lot. That's not a lot. That's like maybe, not a lot I don't know, uh, half a Lewis Hamilton or something. It's but not a lot. It's Austin, not a lot. this is the kind of reaction you expect from a future world champion. You know what I mean? It, I, can't, I can't disagree. It was a world champion drive from a very tall individual. I, you know, look, it is possible that the next person to be a world champion, next different person to be a world champion is George Russell, right? Like, Leclerc. Again, I, Leclerc. I, I think... You think Leclerc? I, I would take Leclerc over Russell uh, for the next champion. 
Interesting. I think depends so. how long it takes, right? Well, it depends on if Mercedes find their side pods because they forgot to show up That's with them this mean. year. It depends how long it takes. It could be a couple of years. I think we've got a couple of years of Max because, again... Yeah, that's the problem. Just, <laughs> we're, we're talking about unreal. who's going to win the championship in 2027. Is it going to be Max or is it going to be yeah. someone else at that point? Is he going to be bored and of racing That is what I'm getting at, right? Like, I... He is... He is at the point now where it wasn't for this week, but like in previous weeks when he wins, no one sounds excited. Like yeah. He doesn't sound excited and Red Bull don't sound excited. Like yeah. I, it actually bothers me a little bit. Like I, I feel like with other teams, there's a little more jubilation. Like I yeah. feel like it comes from Christian. He's like, all right, Max, that was a win today. <laughs> Great drive. And she's like, just give it a little more, Christian. Like just like... A little, like, let's just try and pretend that this isn't a, just a day at the office for you yeah, at this yeah, point, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's like, oh man, Max, enjoy this win. It's a once a week occurrence, my friend. You won't be able to <laughs> see this next week. week. Time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just get, just fake it. Come yeah. on, just like make it seem like you're gen, like you were, maybe you weren't expecting that. Oh, yes, Max, that was a, uh, another win there. You are now the fastest man who's ever lived. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. You now have double the points of P2, and you can now take off the next six months, and I show yeah. up, you'll still win. Uh, well, I don't think we're taking off any months because we got Monza coming up, baby. It's almost I'm here. About that. Now, uh, remind me, Monza a good one or a bad one? Monza is the fastest track of the year because it's a bunch of straightaways it's the oh, so temple of speed i wonder who's going to win then someone's going to show up without a rear wing and they're going to be very very fast uh but yeah i monza's a good a good one i mean obviously that's where daniel ricardo won last year oh how the tables have turned um mm-hmm. generally speaking i think a pretty good race the only concern is that a certain red bull is looking very slippery and might just leave everyone behind. But mm-hmm. I, you got to imagine this is sort of the, the home race, or I guess one of the home races for Ferrari. But this is traditionally kind of their spot. The Tifosi is going to be out there. The red smoke is going to be out there. You got to hope that uh, Ferrari have got a little special Monza package ready because they usually do. I feel like they usually put a little extra effort into Monza because it is such an important race at the, in front of the Italian fans. So I like to hope that we'll have something good. But. It's tough to make any bets against a certain Max Verstappen at this point, man. Yeah. Like it is, it is, it's looking impressively, ridiculously fast. <laughs> like just before we leave, I want to wrap up because we've had a few people in the chat mention this already. So Chris Medland, who's an F1 journalist, he's sometimes in Drive to Survive. Good Twitter follow. Helmut Marco just told me an agreement has already been reached of all the parties for Colton Herter to join Ooh. if he is granted a super license by the FIA and he expects a decision by Monza. Wow. Marco also suggested that agreement involves Gasly to Alpine, but it's if a super license is granted to Herter. So Colton Herter is an IndyCar driver, right? Correct, yes. And Which- technically cannot have an F1 seat because he doesn't have a super license under the current rules because he hasn't driven in the feeder series. So actually, sort of. Uh, IndyCar, actually, you do get super license points for uh, being an IndyCar. I think the problem is he doesn't have quite enough because I think uh, it's like I think you need 30. Don't quote me on any of this, but I think you need 30 super license points to get a super license, you know, to be eligible to race in Formula One. If you win the IndyCar championship, I think you do get 30, which IndyCar is, I think, equal or above F2. You you get a lot of points. Most of the other feeder series give you far fewer points. The problem is I think Colton Hurt is on like 
20 or something, and it's very unlikely that he will win the IndyCar championship. But I also believe that the FIA can just give you a super license if you can make a good case for it. I think if you have like 20 instead of 30 points or something, and you can say like, oh, I've been disadvantaged because COVID meant that I missed this race or blah, blah, blah. Like if you can kind of make that pitch to them, and I'm sure you got to imagine that Red Bull are going to come in there very strongly saying like, hey, this needs to happen. I mean, if, if Helmet's talking about that after the race and expects this to be wrapped up by next week, you got to assume that they're pretty confident and or they're really trying to throw their weight around to get him into that seat. But But this is, again, another thing of like Daniel Ricciardo, right? Like, you know, like you see, this is what I'm talking about, why I don't think Daniel Ricciardo is necessarily in a good place right now for a seat because you've got all these people coming in. Yeah. Like teams want new blood now. Yep. And Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, a couple people in the chat, Mike and Chris, both pointing out, I was actually off. It is, he has 32, you need 40 points. So it's not 20 to 30, it's That's 30 to 40. I was, I was going off the top, okay? I wasn't expecting some hot Colton Herta news to, to ruin the end of our show. So hopefully for uh, for next week, we're, we'll be all prepped and ready to talk about another new couple signings for, uh, now, for the grid next year. he's American, right? Oh, that's a great question. I believe so. So I actually don't that's know that's when though. I get everyone will let me Ooh. off for being biased about British drivers when there's an American driver, right? Oh, so yeah. So nobody wants this to happen more than me because <laughs> then when there's an American driver in F1, no Americans can say to me about bias anymore because they'll just want him to win all the time. So that's then, it. So nobody actually. I'm joining Helmut Marco in the cause here. Whoa! Me and Helmut, we're Whoa. going hand in hand. And we're going to get Colton Herter into F1. Right? I so then not, everyone will leave me alone. That's more surprising than Yuki forgetting to pull I'm off the I'm burying the hatchet with Red Bull to make this occur. <laughs> you know? All right. Well, you know what? This just got a whole lot spicy. <laughs> make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel <laughs> for an incredibly exciting episode next week mm-hmm. to... Follow Mike's descent into madness as he hangs out with Helmet Marco and they ride off into the I'll sunset. You know. Oh boy. Backmarkers.live for the video, backmarkers.fm for the audio. We'll be back again next weekend for Monza. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Mike Hurley and he's Austin Evans. Say goodbye, Austin. Goodbye and say hello to the cool down room, my friends, because Mike's about to get on a even hotter mic. <laughs> <laughs>